You're listening to the Spirit Hunters on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Find out how to join our Discord group and support the show at Patreon slash Spirit Hunter Pod. Oh, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 32 of the Spirit Hunters. This is Joe, Patrick, Hannah, and Sarah. Last time, after a long cat-and-mouse chase between the Nostrad family and the Phantom Troop, Kurapika and Uvogin ditched their respective friend groups in order to duke it out in the desert to the death. Though Kurapika ultimately won the fight, it didn't feel much like a victory. Kurapika is now drowning. This week, Gon, Kilua, and Leorio continue their quest to get money for Greed Island and run into some not-so-itty-bitty spiders. You know, this reminds me of Spaceballs 2, the quest for more money. You better get ready. <laughs> Hunter Hunter, the quest for more money. My favorite non-canon film. I'm, I'd be super down for a fucking weird merchandising yogurt episode of Hunter Hunter. Mel Brooks needs to do more things. Spaceballs-inspired episode of Hunter Hunter. I'm down. The Mega Maid is my Nen creature. <laughs> Who are you? I'm the bearded lady. And this is my Nen power, beard. <laughs> I'm just imagining... Okay, okay, just one last thing on this. You know when they had the fucking tape of, uh, of Jing's voice? Yeah. They put the tape in and it has recordings from the future. Just goes full Spaceballs. <laughs> what is that? It's us. It's like, but what happened? We we don't know. It's like, what, but is it happening? Yes, now. It's God like, let's it. fast forward. Okay, take it away. Anyways, Spaceballs. Anyways, episode 48, Very Sharp Eyes, Mikiki no Kikime. Originally released in Japan on September 3rd, 2012. The equivalent manga chapters are 84, 85, 86, and 87, which were released in Japan on November 2nd, 2000. The equivalent to 1999 episodes are 56 and 57, which were released in Japan on February 10th, 2001. Bad year. Alright, so we start off with Gon. He pawns off his hunter license so that they have enough money in order to get more information um, about the Phantom Troop. So he actually managed to get a hundred million three hundred forty six hundred two Jenny for a hunter license. So I guess to me that's a lot. So I'm glad I'm not the only one that's really bad at doing that. I, I'm like the worst at pronouncing really large numbers. I know. It just occurred to me we have the word dollar sign next to it and Jenny. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know because I just so I knew it was it was money. <laughs> that's why I did it. <laughs> holla holla, get money, Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this would probably be the equivalent of one million, uh, one million three hundred and forty dollars. Okay. <laughs> and sixty cents. That's a lot of money. <laughs> no, it it is, it is. But I was just super confused because I saw the dollar and Jenny. And I'm like, what, what the fuck? <laughs> they have a lot of inflation issues. Just so I knew, is I don't know what um the symbol for the currency is. So I just, I'm American centric. So sue me. <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, I don't think J Japanese people are necessarily going to be more natively good at figuring out the currency of a fantasy world. <laughs> I don't know. Okay. Um. Anyway, so. They're in the market, and Gon notices a Ben's knife. Um, apparently, these knives are made were made from a mass murderer slash blacksmith, 
um, 100 years ago, and a lot of rabid collectors are after them. Um, Gon, he noticed it via Gyo, um, to, cause he sees an aura around it. Lorio, he can't see anything since he's still Nen illiterate. So, you know, he needs to get on that training, but. That's the big sad. Yeah. It's interesting how casual they are about, um, the Ven knife and, like, its origins. They're like, oh yeah, he mm-hmm. just killed a bunch of dudes, and now his knives are like priceless items. It's like finding the OJ murder weapon <gasps> and be like, yeah, it's just some OJ murder weapon. It's not a big deal. We have a numbered glove. We can. <laughs> <laughs> but does does the glove fit then? It's covered in <laughs> gyo. That's why it's shrunk. <laughs> so does that mean? I mean, it's covered in nen. That's why it's shrunk. The true crime fanatics would love this. Let's mass produce it. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> The OJ night. Oh my God! Imagine somebody put that for sale. I can't imagine that that the Nicole that the Nicole Simpson family wouldn't sue so fast. <laughs> I, I feel like a couple hundred years from now they'll be like, "This trial paralyzed the nation for the course of an entire year. We'll sell this for ten trillion dollars." Yeah, that's that's about accurate. Also, you guys were mentioning them handling this so casually. Last time I checked, Lou is an assassin, so they're just like, oh, they also uh, met that fucking uh, Jonas guy, so it's just like, yeah, man, I, I guess they're just over mass murder at this point. Yeah, it's pretty boring. They're all about uh, they're all about bank robbers now. Yeah. Yeah. Now that now they only take issue with genocide. <laughs> <laughs> they've they've really escalated this shit. Vaguely, they va- no, they vaguely take issue with genocide. Spoilers, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyways, um, so Kila remembers that Four-Eyed Sensei or Wing told them that about really talented people using Nen without realizing it. So he gets the idea to use Nen to find rare items and then sell them. So, um, one of the merchants that was selling the Ben's knife tells them that you know, um, people can actually name their price. But there's a time-limited bidding system. So once um, there is a number of bids, the highest and the time runs out, the highest bidder gets that item. Basically eBay. <laughs> That's what I thought initially. Um, Gun, Leorio, and Kilua split up to look for items while Leorio looks up more info about Phantom Troop or just general stuff. And so... The plan is is that they're going to bid 2.5 um, higher than the previous bidder to discourage others from bidding on whatever items they find. Bone, he's like struggling with his multiplication skills as he's looking at items. Um, they both notice that some Zepile guy is keeps on bidding on the same items as they do, and. Even, like, after Gonokilawa place a bid on an item, they go back and the Zepalkai has decided, like, is bidding um, four times higher the price. And so... I hate when they do it on eBay. Yeah. It's so annoying. <laughs> yeah. It was like, what's the, um, like, the Szechuan sauce, I'm sure, <laughs> originally yeah. was bidding for 20 bucks and then it bidded for, like... Eighty dollars than a hundred k or something. Yeah, actually, actually, funny story. I remember when they announced that. I basically saw. I was like, "Oh, it's only available in limited quantities." Like, 
as someone that comes from the game collecting scene, it's like, yeah, that's not going to end well. And obviously, we know how that ended uh, uh, very, very poorly. Yeah. <laughs> so they only end up winning a total of three items, and they um, lost one of them. And so with what they have, they end up going to the auction house. Um, the auction house can't accept additional items, unfortunately, but they're recommended to go to the trade market. Um, in the English job, it's called the dealer's market. And so there's a shop and they try to sell their items, but the appraiser says that the statue in the wooden box it was in isn't worth much since they're from different periods. They don't really match in terms of like quality and everything. And then all of a sudden, we see this guy, Mr. Fierce Eyebrows. He suddenly enters and he calls out the appraiser, telling them that he's scamming Gonankiloa for about the real price of the statue. So it's it's like the opposite of Pawn Stars. Gon called in the expert this time. Yeah. <laughs> um. Apparently. The statue is a wooden trove slash secret vault full of potentially valuable items. Then uh, all of a sudden, right behind the appraiser, pops out anime Vin Diesel. And he's like, ask for proof. Um, and so Mr. Fierce Eyebrows and Vin Diesel start arguing about counterfeiting methods like using adhesive, cauterizing, etc. Um, Vin Diesel is like, what are you going to do if the valuable stuff has been swapped out? And then Fierce Eyebrows, aka Zepile, he has like no chill and he's like, I'll be your slave forever, man. So, yeah. TMI. It does the trick and the Vin Diesel backs out and, um, they open the statue and Zepile ends up being right. And it's filled with all this, like, jewels and glittery treasure. Then Gon and Kiowa, they end up keeping the statue and its treasure. Um, they're walking through the market and they're talking with Zepile. And Zepile's like, you know, because I helped you, uh, let me get 20% of the cut once you sell the statue and everything. Gon ends up being cool with this, even though, like, Kiloa's not super happy about it. And so they're eating at a restaurant and they end up grilling each other with questions. So some of the questions include why um, Gon and Kilua need the money for Greed Island and why did Zepile choose a weird base slash pot um, as his item that he bidded and Zepile ends up telling them that he used to do a lot of counterfeiting in the past and everything. Um, yeah, so Zepile even offers his appraisal expertise since it made him really happy that they bidded on his counterfeit work. Um, he, like, does some, what's it, like, called, um, low-key bragging? What do you, like, there's a term that people Humble are, like, bragging. Humble bragging. It's like, no, it's just a piece of junk. And Gon, being his very nice self, is like, no, it's not a piece of junk. It's your work. You use Nen, and so you don't even realize how much good, how good your work is, and everything. I think I didn't. I didn't take it as humble bragging. I took it as him like being like 
legitimately critical of his own work because he's basically like, yeah, this fooled people, but like, I feel ashamed of it. Like looking at yeah. it, like I can tell this is bullshit. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like a uh, people art. my, uh, I have a friend that's the same way where it's like, yeah, it, it, it looks all right, but I mean, it's not, it's not the best work. Like, it's okay. And it's passable, but I mean, it's something that I would never want to put out, which I can understand for sure. I mean, yeah, if I think don't he's like comparing it, it to yeah. his current work where he's like, yeah, nowadays I would fool someone even like me, but like, this is not good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. I'm very much this similar to that. Um, maybe it's more like imposter syndrome, which is kind of true because he was counterfeiting stuff. <laughs> he's legitimately actually an imposter, yes. Yeah. He's kind of sus. Was, I like the, um, this the piano instrumental of departure during this whole scene. I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, I thought it was really touching. I really love. I really love it when they get the piano instrumental of departure going. Mm-hmm. I the, love Zapile. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. He's he's a pile of shit. I'm just joking. Wow. <laughs> um. Real real quick. Um. Our sort of cousin podcast or friend podcast. Uh. Say the X. They said that it's really funny that they have Leorio like exit just to be replaced by dollar store Leorio. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I kind of see it. Best Rough. value Leorio. Yeah, best value Leorio. <laughs> if you think about though, I think I think Leorio is the the best value Zepile. Oh dang! Ooh. I I think they have very different domains of skills, but it's like one of those things where like these two would be homies, you know? Mm-hmm. For sure. Both coming from rough backgrounds and doing very different things with it. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. Zephyl, he says something really, I think, poignant, that it's a lot harder to appraise people than antiques. And so he's eager to work with them. And then he had, like, some kind of thought where he said, like, Gon is, like, the most dangerous type of person who can't, the one that can't be appraised. And that's why he likes him or thinks he's, that's why he's eager to help him. So... I thought that was really interesting. He he even says something like, he doesn't really care about good and evil necessarily, yeah. which is like weird. I mean, it's a weird thing to say about a kid, but um, two, it gave me big Yusuke vibes. Like, this seems like the way that, like, since we talked about Yusuke on his deathbed, Toguro talked about Yusuke from the grave, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, and I think it kind of shows... It's a good point because it made me really think because I always think like Gon is very innocent and nice and sweet, but that doesn't necessarily translate to like good or bad technically. So like and that's explored way later in the series, too. So like they're kind of walking in a park or something and then using some kind of gotcha toy. Zepile shows Gon and Kilua about um, sidestepping or ostomy. Which um basically Osumin. Osumi? Is that no, really? No, he's he's fucking with you, it's <laughs> Ostami. Ostami. No, it's okay. <laughs> um which basically means creating a new opening or multiple openings in order to take treasure and put a fake one inside something. I don't know if you guys noticed the uh, does it, the figure looks kind of familiar, right? Wait, wait, real quick. In the 2011 version, which what was the figure? Because I forget because I watched all of them. It was Togashi. So this one is Togashi because I forget. Yeah, it was just the Togashi doggy. Yeah, it's the cute Togashi dog as opposed to they include him in different places in the manga in, in 1999. Mm-hmm. He's all over the place. 
I, I would love a gotcha of Togashi, like a little Nendroid. That's got to exist somewhere. <laughs> and then get get the the Takuchi uh, bunny one. Oh, that'd be adorable. Mm-hmm. Cake topper. <laughs> Jeez, that's awesome. No, no, I'm, it, yo, uh, my girlfriend is trying to convince me to do like fucking Animal Crossing characters. I'm like, I don't really like Animal Crossing that much, so maybe I'll counter offer this. Yeah, you can, you can be you can be tuxedo mask, and she can be Sailor Moon. She'll be like, "You're not tall enough," and I'll be like, "Oh, wow." No. <laughs> Gon gets a call from Lorio, um, who says that they found information about some of the spiders, including video of two of them um, at a certain spot. So they, um, Gon and Kiloa run off to meet up with Lorio, and they leave the auction up to Zepile. And yeah, that's like the end of the episode. Yeah, I actually wanted to bring something up, but I guess it's kind of relation. I've been kind of doing something similar with the video games with like the sort of what they've been doing with the auction selling stuff and flipping it. Oh, yeah, I've been seeing way. that because I'm in some of those same groups as you. So I've just been watching that happening. Yeah. So Joe's Joe's experiencing me uh, reliving Hunter Hunter in real life part by part. Yeah, he's he's looking <laughs> for Nen through the computer. It's very weird. Yeah, that's how I can tell if a game's rare or not. If it has Nen on it, I buy it and it sells for a dollar because it's mad and some Nen user. But anyways, yeah, I've just been doing that. So a lot of it's like, uh, it's not like I'm like buying it and flipping it specifically to do that, but a lot of it's like, oh, I get this bundle for 80 bucks of these games and I don't need another 3DS and a copy of Mario Kart. So I sell it for a little bit more to break even on it or get a, make the bundle a little bit cheaper. So Did stuff you- like that. Did you pawn your computer science degree in order to pay for this? Yeah, that's that's how I'm doing this. I had to pawn a computer science degree to be able to uh flip stuff online. Yeah, that's that's what happened. But but yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty nice because it's I, I guess a lot the big gold collecting is sort of basically make your collection pay for itself in a way. It's just a lot of research and stuff because it's a lot of like looking for deals and stuff. But I mean with COVID and stuff it's kind of a little easier to Easier to do that in a way without much issue. I think we've brought up um, Sachin, the Taiwanese company that made like illegal ports of a bunch of games back in the day for NES and Super NES. Mm-hmm. I'm just imagining if someone from there, if you met them and they're like, oh, the games weren't that good. And you're like, no, you made them with Nen. You're a genius. Ronaldo Sochiero was one of the best games of all time. I could tell on the Nen. Hong Kong 97 is a masterwork. What's wrong with you? Did you just see a bunch of Nen coming off of that game if you ever find it? <laughs> anyway. But yeah, no, I just thought I'd put that little segue because I thought it was an interesting, interesting, uh, thing. But, uh, yeah, no, a lot of the times you, a lot of times it's a gamble if you can, if you make money or not. Sometimes you make it, sometimes you don't. But more or not, I, I I'm sort of safe and I do video games because right now that's the hot thing. So usually you can make money off it if you know what, what to look for. So. What's the most egregious fake you've either fallen for or caught before it happened? Uh, I saw some guy selling a bunch of a bunch of N64 games that were clearly fake from an Amazon warehouse on uh, OfferUp, and I bought. I, I originally I hit buy, but I looked closely at them, and the labels were all wrong, and they had a couple boots in there, so I knew instantly they were fake. They're fake games. Nice. Yeah, I think was there any other ones? No, I think that was the worst. The worst of it, but luckily I didn't buy it because I'm not dumb. Oh, uh, and fake and fake Pokemon games. That's the big one. Oh yeah, I definitely had a fake Pokemon game back in the day. I had two of them. Now that I think about it, yeah. But yeah, here's a tip: if you want to buy Pokemon games, you need to take those things apart. So you get like a bit, 
like a game bit and get that to open up the cartridges because nowadays they're faking almost every Pokemon game is faked. So none like there's like a sixty percent chance you'll accidentally buy a fake if you don't. It's kind of saddening, but I mean, I mean, where's money? Where there's money, people come barking, right? Yeah. All right. So why don't we move on to the Hunter Pia, which is fault, which is going to cover Shizuku and her famous super suck Blinky. And this one, they talk about her powers and what she does, and Gon's face turns into Blinky for some reason. Um, what what category of Nen user is she? Because I remember, um, again, uh, say the X. They pointed out like, why isn't she a specialist given what she does? Uh, I think she's a conjurer. Yeah, yeah, I think that makes sense. It feels like she should be a specialist given the twofold nature of her power, but whatever. Yeah, but I I, I do like the end of it. It's, it's like it's like cool was like. But where do they go? Where do they go if uh, when they get sucked up and then Gon's like no one yells and his face turns into Blinky. Lol. I'm just wishing they had shown the view into there and it showed shit that had it showed like Kuwabara spinning or something. If only. But uh, anyways, let's cover the manga notes. So this one, uh, there's a lot of differences. So much that I had to bring Joe in on this to be able to get them all. Cause oh my god, this this episode had so many differences. Yeah, I, um, real quick before you started, I just wanted to say this, when I read through the entirety of Hunter x Hunter, this is one of my favorite parts, so it was weird seeing in 99 and 2011 that they both shortened Zepile's parts a lot, because he's, um, around for a decent bit longer in the manga. Yeah, the only thing I think of is time constraints, and it's like, yeah, we need to move this plot forward. I, I think they were just like, okay, we'll humor you a little bit, Togashi, about fucking getting way too deep into art auction shit, but, uh, we need to get back to fighting. It's like, let me have my hobbies, damn it. Basically. Yeah, it was a very uh, Jojo Araki moment. It's just like, let me tell you about this subject I got hyper-fixated on for a month. Dang, Tugash is really like me in some ways. Weird. I feel it. But anyways, yeah. Uh, one of the biggest, one of the first differences in, in the auction, it actually shows uh, Gon actually pawning the license. So him talking to Rick Harris, trying to get the, the license sold, uh, negotiating a, a tiny bit, and telling him about the repayment day until they put it back they put it for sale so just for you that don't know pawning is different from selling where pawning you it basically them lending you the money and then you have to pay it back by a date with interest or else they sell it it's kind of fucked up but i mean yeah the most people end up actually paying back the money because i i kind of always wonder what a pawning was but i never really looked into it myself is it just like a way to get money immediately yes yeah it's essentially just putting it on a a, a hold, or it w- w- wouldn't be a lien though. It would be like just a hold, right? Yeah, it's just a hold. Yeah, collateral based lien, uh, collateral based holds are a really fast way to get money, but they're high risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's usually, it's usually, the best bet is the is better off just selling it, but a lot of people prefer using the the pawn if it's a short term payment. Yeah, or if they're in Las Vegas and they think they can oh, make the God. money back. Yeah, <laughs> I I forgot about the connection to gambling. I mostly think about with the connection to being poor. Uh, that too, but I mean, it, it's both of those. It's actually yeah. pretty sad. Yeah, but uh, we'll, it uh, works out for some people, but like yeah. usually, the people it works out for are just waiting for a payday. In which case, they might go for payday loans, which are also highly predatory. But yeah, yeah, Target's actually been doing a, a thing where they they have like this app where you can take out the money immediately. It's like a little, it's like a a, a Zello thing. It's kind of interesting, but. I won't get into that though. It's not really important for this. But uh, anyways, uh, one of the things I thought was interesting it just goes through all the things. Uh, they actually show. They actually um, one thing that they didn't tell you in the in the the show is that the the catalog that they buy 
actually contains the ticket allowing them into the showroom. So you need the catalog to be able to get into the showroom, which I didn't, they didn't explain it. And I was like, how do they get into the showroom as kids? But I guess you had the, yeah, and apparently you had to buy the book, which I did not know. Yeah, you have a, the ticket looks like a fucking playing card with the Triforce, but with the, with an S in the middle of the Triforce. Yes. So it, it was interesting. And I like to, I tell you said his name, Gone Freaks, and I did a little Photoshop of it. This is Gone Freak, which is Gon's nickname in the sack. Oh, but I was the, gonna say, is that just, uh, like the, the next chapter in your memoir? Like, Gone Freak? Yeah, Gone Freak. That's, that's, that's my, Patrick uh, Gone Freak. That's my favorite, my, that's my favorite, uh, my favorite arc in the Patrick manga. But, uh, anyways, uh, there's also this excerpt from the entire instruction booklet of the con, of the game, which is seen in the manga, but not seen, which is, uh, shows like the first, I guess the first page of it, first two pages, where it shows the, the con, the guy with the console, like holding it in the air, like a displaying, like here's the console. And just talking, talking about the rules. So like, you know, when you start the game, it's impossible to interrupt. Game can enter risk of real death. There's also risk of being unable to leave the world. And of course, a disclaimer saying they take no responsibility if you get massively murdered in the game by, say, some crazy terrorist person. Yeah, I, I like how it says give yourself at least a week to play this game, and I'm just thinking like, Takashi, is this what you do when you're like in horrible pain and can't do anything else? Have you seen the pictures of his of his studio playing Dragon Warrior? Yeah, I guess, Quest? but I'm also wondering, it's just like, dude, I don't think a week was a long enough period once we get there. Nope. It's it's I I don't actually we'll we'll go into that later. I won't get into spoiling. But yeah, it just goes uh goes into that showing the the bids and stuff like that. So it was kind of interesting. Uh, this is the knife. Oh oh yeah wait 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 the instructions actually say like do ren. So it's it's a game made specifically for hunters. But it is weird that you would have printed material talking about ren because like someone else could technically pick this game up. Yeah, I mean to be honest though, if you can afford it, you probably already know what Nen is at this. Oh point. yeah, because you probably have a bodyguard if you can afford this game. Exactly. Probably, probably a couple of them. Yeah, we won't get into that, and be exceedingly rich, very, very rich. Anyways, uh, it, it uh, one of the parts where it talks about the knife actually shows the, the 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 killer Benny was it Benny Doran? So yeah, I'm not it? sure if it's Doron, Doran, 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 Doran. His name is Rio, and he danced on the sand. Yes, they also show the knife, which looks like shit in the manga. <laughs> Yeah, the knife looks a lot more badass in the uh, in the anime. Yeah, because they in '99 they also do the same knife design, so it looks bad. Yeah, but yeah, it goes. It has a picture of him like this Victorian era thing with balding hair and white, <laughs> uh, and a little beard. Actually, he kind of looks like no, he no, I'm not he a killer. Looks like guy. Shakespeare. Sh- Sh- Shakespeare <laughs> to kill or not to kill? That is the question. But yeah, and it's I thought it was kind of cool. Um, let's see some more changes. Do you think this was a reference to Jim Bowie? You know, it might have been. It kinda, I'm going to look up what got, Jim Bowie I, looks like. I kind of got Mac the Knife vibes from it, though. I'm now just thinking of Captain Commando. Yeah. Is there a Mac the Knife enemy in that game? Uh, Yeah, one of the main characters is named uh Mac the Knife. Huh. Oh, okay. Yeah, so straight up, this guy looks like a combination of Shakespeare and Jim Bowie. Interesting. So There's uh, a that's... famous picture of Jim Bowie where he's doing like this same pose. Huh. Yeah, so yeah, I guess at least we on the spot found out what the reference was, so yay. Yeah, it just goes into the the Geo stuff. Uh there's an Im- there's an image later on where it shows uh it shows uh Maluki buying the 
buying actually the catalog with some chips. I don't know if they showed that in the anime. I can't remember. Do you guys remember if they showed that? Uh, I don't think so. He shows up briefly in 99, but he's just walking through the background with the auction book in hand. I gotcha. Okay, so yeah, it's, it's I think he similar. was going to be a bigger part of this arc, and then they're just like, we don't know what the fuck to do with him. It's like, nah, we're good, fam. You can you can be creepy somewhere else. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I thought um a lot of the, another big another big change that Leorio was actually really really um like actually re- researching and hitting the books and working with Gon like a I guess like a um what's her name from uh from Batman uh, the uh, oh, Barbara Gordon. I know what you're talking about. Um, fuck. Was it, I know was exactly it what she becomes. What the fuck is this? Is after she's been fucked up physically, but she's now just like the cool researcher and and network yeah. operator for him, right? What the fuck? Yeah, I forgot what her name. But anyways, it's it's that. Actually, I'll, I'll look her up. But yeah, no, Leorio basically proving like, oh yeah, this guy is like a university student. Like he's a fucking med student, so he like knows how to research and shit like that. Oracle. Oh, it's Oracle. That's Oracle. Yeah. But yeah, and he plays that big role in there. They took that a lot in the anime, though. Like, it's not really as... 2011 anime goes out of its way to make Leorio less cool. Yeah, I think someone just really hates Leorio for some reason in that. I think it's because he doesn't show up in the second half of the 2011 anime. Mm, So they're like, yeah, we don't need to have him relevant. Yeah, but it's going to suck once the manga starts getting made into anime again, because he's a big fucking deal again. (laughs) They'll probably be like, you know what, he just went on a vacation. I guess. Um, they actually, they actually meets, they actually had the, 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 uh, market more thoroughly described by the, the auctioneer when he denies them the, denies them the auction, the auction, say, oh yeah, the market, the bids are on objects represented on that day, and then you can find the identical objects and counterfeits. It's up the buyer to check if it's real, so it's sort of a, a high risk, high reward sort of auction site. It's like a, I guess auction light. And he he goes through it and he shows all the pictures. I thought it was a little bit more in depth and got get, gave a better idea of it. I mean, you could tell in the the anime that it a little bit it it's uh, of its purpose and the risk and reward. But for the most part, I kind of liked it. I thought it was kind of a cool little scene. Yeah, they re- really detail it in a way that I think enhances like the life of this place. Yeah, and one of the biggest uh, differences, I think you, you might want to bring it up, Joe, because you probably you probably are more more into that than I I'm am. I'm worried where this is going. But the um. The actual the um the differences between Zeppilot scenes and the and the mo- and the anime versus the manga in ninety nine because I think it's I th- I think it's a, a big change I thought maybe you want to talk on that uh you mean like actually getting to ninety nine uh, or oh, do no you no mean... no just the just the the manga differences right now just the the whole the whole him uh the whole the whole scene where it's like the that the extension of Zeppile where he goes oh. from the short scene in the shop to a whole mini arc of him trying to sell the jewels yeah they go to a couple different places um i'll just kind of go over this in broad details um one thing that you failed to mention was this shot that shows how zeppile probably makes some of his seed money which is by selling feet pics because there's a picture of him just holding the uh wooden vault with his feet which are very focused on in a way i'm kind of uncomfortable with and then he cracks it open I mean, he—that's actually how he does it. I mean, it's—he has his only fans of him holding objects with his feet. <laughs> God, big fetish. Let's start a Zepile only fans. Zepile only. Zepile. Zeppi feet. Ze- no, that's his. That's uh, that's a foot appraisal website. <laughs> anyway. 
So, uh, as part of their quest to, uh, sort of sell the jewels, they go to, I forget what the fuck market this is, cause there's like four markets in the manga version as opposed to like two in 2011 and three in 1999. Um, but they go to this place run by, uh, a guy named Cornetto that I'll explain more later, but he looks, he has the wrong art style for Hunter Hunter, and I'll explain that in a bit because he's based on a character from another drawn by another mangaka but for a video game but um that's where the people trying to lower the value of the merchandise happens and that's where vin diesel dude shows up there it's like a separate it's like the third (laughs) market they've gone to afterwards instead it's kind of weird it's it's a really it's an interesting scene i like the addition of it and i thought it was a little bit more flushed out but yeah, that old man is kind of, he definitely is out of place, so I don't blame them for removing them from the 2011 version. Yeah, I, I like, well, he's not even in 99. That's how, Oh, I think a big part of it was like, they're like, do you want to get sued? <laughs> um, So who is he exactly? I'm not. Are, I'll are tell you, you when we get to, uh, well, okay, here, I'll just explain now. So there's a manga-only character named uh, Taloon in the English version, but he's named Cornetto in Japan. But he's based on merchant-slash-party member Torneko Taloon from Dragon Quest IV. So for the States, they actually reverted his name to the archetype. Uh, trivia, uh, trivia, Torneko was the first main character of the Mystery Dungeon video games, even before Sheer and the Wanderer, and long before the very popular for the U.S. Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games. He is the ancestor of Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. That game is sick. Yeah, and so in Dragon Quest IV, um, it's a really interesting early JRPG where you get introduced to all the side characters first. You don't meet the main character until, like, halfway through the game. And during his section, he's just a merchant who works in town, and you're just trying to support your family. So it's just about you daily venturing into this, like, cave that was recently excavated and turns out to have a bunch of treasures and fighting monsters to get things to sell at a local market in order to make enough money to feed your family. Interesting. Yeah, yeah so. it's it's a really cool setup, and I it's actually like one of my favorite parts in any game. Like the gameplay is like whatever, but it's just like a really cool story idea. Just the idea of like being a breadwinner instead of like in an RPG instead of like fucking going out and doing a quest. He later then goes on the quest after he's like, "I'm a rich merchant," and like basically people like bust into his shop. They're like, "We need your help," and he's like, "Oh fuck, <laughs> I gotta go back into the adventuring life." Adventure man. Yep. But yeah, no, it's super interesting. What'd you say the name of the game was? Uh, so the original one that he's from is Dragon Quest Four, which I guess mm-hmm. the subtitle is Chapters of the Chosen. Um, but then he was also in the first Mystery Dungeon game, so uh, I think it's like Torneko Daiboken Fushigi no Dungeon. So uh, Great Adventure of Torneko, uh, Mysterious Dungeon. So and that and they they made they made the Pokemon Mystery Dungeon games. Uh, yeah, so basically the next game in the series was Sheer and the Wanderer, which was, I think, SNES and PS1, and then after that, there were, like, a trillion other games, and then later, that same studio, with the same license, made Pokemon Mystery Dungeon. Hmm, interesting. I'll, I'll, that reminds me, I have to give those games a play, but, uh, yeah, um, I guess uh, in terms of the Rex and the Manga chap, the differences, I think those are the the massive ones, and uh, they also, I guess one of the other big ones is the streaming video 99, which essentially, uh, that you brought up was a was streaming live video on a phone in 2000. Yeah, yeah, so this is in the manga. Like just just to clarify, I wrote the 99 thing because yeah. this is actually about the real life history. But in the manga, the thing they show of Machi and uh Nobunaga is supposed to be a streaming live video, which I was like there's no way they had that technology. And then I looked it up and there was an experimental one done in 1995, but 
there was actually a commercially released Japanese cell phone that could do two frames per second streaming video in 1999. So technically, if you were ultra up to date, which I guess Leorio is because he's really into cell phones, you could actually have streaming video. Yeah, I, supp- I suppose so. Uh, the thing is that there actually was live show, live stream shows in the 90s online in terms of small shows. I mean, it was very poor quality and laggy. Yeah. And they had to call in on a, on an actual telephone to be able to call into the show. Yeah. But it, I was, it more, was rudimentary and it worked. Yeah. I was more, I was less impressed by the fact that he was receiving streaming video and more impressed by the fact that a cell phone was generating streaming video, which is what my research was about. So technically a cell phone could generate streaming video. It was just two frames a second. Yeah. I mean, we're in a world with Nen and people jumping into video game consoles. So I mean. Well, but this this one was grounded in the real world, so I was like, is this believable? And then I looked it up, and it turns out in Japan, and Japan only it was believable. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, no, that was was super interesting. I think that was the the extent of the differences. There's a ton of them, so... Oh, there also was not the I'll be your servant uh, discussion thing. I don't know if... Did he he bring up in the manga? I could have sworn I remember him not saying that, though. He didn't say it in the manga. I guess, yeah. So yeah, and that, that was not in the manga as well. But yeah, in terms of that, ooh, there was a lot of uh, a lot of changes. So, did we want to jump to the ninety nine version, Joe? Yeah, sounds good. Um, so here, as in the manga, they focus a lot on the auction house Sotheby's and its catalog. So yeah, um, in the anime, they call it Southern Peace, but that's to not get sued because in the manga and ninety nine, it's called Sotheby's, which is named after actual real life auction house Sotheby's. I thought it was like an Applebee's sort of thing. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, but Sotheby's is the First, well, it's the second biggest auction house globally, but I think it's the first in a number of specific markets. Um, I did like a quick search on Mob Connections and not much turned up, but I'm basically guessing that they've scrubbed some of that from the internet. And when I looked it up on YouTube about documentaries about them, I mainly just found videos from them documenting their own history. And I'm like, you know, I'm not gonna, I watched some of them, but I'm like, this is a puff piece. So who knows if they have connections to the mob. You know, you know. Actually, when we when you said uh, Sotheby's, I actually, I actually got the huh? Did you think Grizzlebees? Yeah, I was about to say Grizzlebees, like Cowabunga! God damn it! Okay, <laughs> well, speaking of old uh, old references, so these apps save a lot of money by say, uh, by having the people speak to others facing away from the camera. So you just see Gon and Kilo open mouth, being like, "Oh," while Zepile speaks, while his the back of his head is what's facing the camera. <laughs> yeah. Leorio, uh, Leorio does the haggling down of the Ben's knife as done in the manga, but here it's actually, uh, off screen set slash skipped. So basically, uh, Kilua is like, hey, could you just, uh, haggle down the Ben's knife? And then Leorio's like, got it. And then it just cuts to them having the Ben. Uh, I watched this in English just because I didn't want subtitles marring the screenshots I took. So in the English version, the kids make a chant when they discover what they're going to do with Gyo to, all right, here we go. We'll call our plan easy money with Gyo. And it was, it was cute. The Japanese version had something similar, but I wouldn't have been able to transcribe the rhyme that fast. Lots of money. Yeah. So, uh, they emulate the net profit equations from the manga, which they just have basically net profit things show up, but here they're like in neon lights. Uh, the vault sculpture here is just random crap and not Buddhist iconography, so, like, I don't even know why they were trying to sell what just looked like a block of wood. (laughs) Probably just to save money on animation. Listen, the block of wood is an important, valuable item. Yeah. Miliki walks through the background with a catalog rather than actually speaking to anyone. Oh, and they still go to Taloon's auction review, but Taloon isn't there. 
and uh, still has the bald guy who explains the trick, who explains the tricks. But this time it's at Gon's request because he's like, "Tell me more about counterfeiting." <laughs> and then, uh, basically, the bald guy at the end is like, "I, I'm ru- you're ruining my business. I can't keep fucking talking about this." Listen, and then Zepile explains Ostomy afterwards. Yeah, so that was uh that was the episode. Um we can get more into themes analysis later, but just like overall you guys uh you guys liking the auction side story? Yeah, I actually really enjoyed it. Like like I said it's super relatable to me in a way right now. Uh mostly for that stuff, but I th- I just thought it was a lot of a lot of fun. I really like the the episodes a lot. I mean, I know a lot of people don't like the the subplot episode things and the stuff that takes away from the show, but I kind of like it. It's a nice break from uh, what's probably to come in this this uh, show, especially after the last couple violent episodes. Yeah, I agree. It's um, it's a nice break from like I, it's kind of like the four of them, like Gon, Kilawa, Karapika, Leorio. They are like obviously all are involved with each other during with this arc, but it's at least it's different for now. It's like different um like set a tone which is kind of nice because like since Karapika's like part is so intense and heavy it's nice to have that break with like the rest of them I mean like I never would have thought I would learn about counterfeiting so Hunter Hunter is always me helping me learn a new um sketchy hobby basically (laughs) like eyeball collecting yeah yeah, and I agree with everyone saying how it's just a nice break um, from the really intense uh, tone from Karapika's side of the arc. Also, I think it's like a good opportunity to world build a little in a way that you wouldn't really expect. Because most of the time, when you think of world building, you think of like the history, the animals, or the or the different types of people that live in this world, but just knowing, like, hey, there's, like, some seedy underground stuff going on that happens in the real world, but this is this world's take on it. I think that's pretty interesting. I really do like that it sort of builds up the idea of, like, oh, there are people who are specialists and also who know Nen who are not battle people and don't even know they're using it. Like, this comes back later, but, like, I really like that it starts the ball rolling with, like, oh, yeah, Nen geniuses. Like, Wing brought it up, but, like, now here you're seeing a Nen genius. hmm Also, I think fucking 2020 has poisoned something, like, blank genius to me. Because I just keep on thinking of people sarcastically calling someone a brain genius. <laughs> okay, and with that, uh, now a word from our compatriots and benefactors. <laughs> This is Super Nintendads. You know I don't like Dr. Mario. I think he's a fraud back alley doctor. Come on, am I very happy to be here? With the help of a doula, you can do anything in the tub. You're looking at the Nintendo knitting machine! Do you feel that I abused you by making you play Night Trap? <laughs> I challenge you guys to a dance-off at McDonald's tomorrow's. What have I done, Sweet Jesus? What have I done? <laughs> Super Nintendads Entertainment Podcast. Every week right here on Greenland. In this quarter, on the Greenlit Podcast Network, Chris Sims and Matt Wilson. And in this quarter, VHS oddities, confusing animation, and modern not-so-classics. Plus snacks, movie fighters. We watch movies and beat them up. Alright, so on to episode 49, 
Pursuit and Analysis, or Sui Seki de Boon Seki. All right, well, let's just go with that. Yeah, that works. <laughs> it was originally released in Japan on September 30th, 2012. Uh, the equivalent manga chapters are 80, 89, 90, and 91. Uh, it was, re- which were released in Japan on July 4th, 2000. And then the equivalent 1999 episode is 55, 56, 58, and 57, and which were released on February 3rd, 2001. It's 59, Sarah. Oh, what did I say? 57. Oops, sorry. I think it's because I was thinking how there is missing a 57. <laughs> okay, so it's 55, 56, 58, and 59. Yeah, and before any listeners ask, um, the reason that we suddenly went back in time on the manga chapters is because there's, like, material included from much earlier in the series, and I have this, so it basically just tells you the date of the first one, because the assumed continuity, there's not. We're just time travelers. (laughs) Yep. Happy birthday, America. Happy birthday, America. (laughs) All right, so... Um, the episode starts with Machi and Nobunaga. They're sitting in an open table area, and they're arguing whether or not Uvo got killed. Um, you kind of see two people kind of sitting in another table nearby them. They're Lorio's informants or whatever. And they're calling him, saying, like, hey, they're here. And Lorio gives them their money, and they run off, basically. Um yeah, so Gon, Lorio, and Kilawa are watching from a window in a, at a nearby building. They're arguing whether or not they should catch the troop members. Kilawa's like, that's impossible. And he tells them about how his father actually killed a spider for a job and it wasn't worth the price, which is not only a major compliment, I guess, coming from his dad, but also a warning sign, stay the fuck away from them, basically. And then Kilua basically even brings up the point, like, what if we were, they're basically gonna be facing a bunch of Hisokas if they try to capture them. An insane clown posse, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's kind of funny because there's two of them. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I actually kind of noticed that, isn't the costumes, the reference to, are they referenced to different anime portions of the costume or like the manga? Because it seems like the costumes are slightly different. Uh, I thought they were about the same, like Machi with her hair down and Nobunaga just wearing like long plain clothing. Mm-hmm. I got you. Oh, and I meant the Hisokas. Oh, the Hisoka? Yeah, I, did, I actually didn't pay too close attention to it. Maybe he was wearing slightly different outfits. Yeah, it looks slightly different. I thought, I thought it was a reference to maybe the manga in 99. <laughs> That's cool. We'll have to look into that. Um... Yeah, so basically, Kilua points out that they're purposely, um, that Nobunaga and Machi are purposely putting themselves out in the open as bait in order to draw out their prey. Um, he's right, um, but Machi and Nobunaga actually don't know who's watching them and where. They think it's the chain user, and their only order from Crollo is to bring back the chain user, alive or dead, doesn't matter. Um, I guess the atmosphere between the two of them get tense because they're at odds about how to do it and stuff. And um, 
Yeah, even Gon, L'Oreal, and Kiloa noticed this. Um, Qu- L'Oreal... Question. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? Uh, not... Not really, because they're okay. so far away. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into this, but this is a big change from the manga where they have a legitimate reason to be angry at each other. Yeah, I mean, if I remember, because this is a summary of the fight, I think they were just like, I think Nobunaga was like arguing, like, are we really going to kill him? Huh? You want to kill him? And Wachi was like, don't put words in my mouth. And I forgot the exact argument, but they were definitely pissed off at each other. I don't know how. Maybe their aura was so intimidating that they the other three sensed it from a Oh yeah, so that's that's definitely what happened. I just meant more like does the text of their argument really read as something so angering that like it could change the whole feeling of like the whole emotion of the, the plaza? To me no, but yeah. maybe okay. Yeah, maybe I we'll kind of see later on with like yep. how certain phantom troop members feel about Uvo's death. So maybe that was like a hint, hint to it. I don't know. So it would fuck Uvo. Oh <laughs> sure, yeah, I would be like that. So <laughs> they're all uh, old homies from long, long ago. Well, not all of them, but the he was one of the original members. So the original members are real sad about it. Fair enough. Yeah, Lorio's like freaking out because he can't use Zetsu to conceal his presence. Kilua says that doesn't really matter if anything, Zetsu could draw more attention. He points out that the two spiders aren't using men to sense anything. They're just simply looking out for anyone acting or looking suspicious. Um, Back with Nobu and Machi, they decide to flip a coin to see whether or not they should capture the chain user alive or dead. Um, we don't actually see the choice, so it cuts out um, to Shalnark and Krello um, at a hotel room. They're on Hunterpedia, as I like to call it. Or uh, the real, real quick, Hunterpedia is a legitimate site. Oh, okay, the, the yeah. Hunter website. <laughs> there's like three different Hunterpedias. There's the Hunterpedia on the universe, there's Gun and Killer's Hunterpedia, and the Hunterpedia for the Wikipedia for the mm. information on Hunter X, Hunter Hunter. Yeah, too, so many. Well, the Hunter website then. Um... Hunter Bidenpedia. <laughs> Hunter Biden 2020. Yeah. Go vote. Continue. <laughs> anyway, um, looking up, they're looking up the Nostrad family guards and um, just information about the mafia family. Crello takes particular interest in Neon and her powers. At the other hotel with the actual Nostrad people, Light Nostrad. Am I pronouncing that right? Nostrad or Nostrade? I think it's Nostrad, Yeah, I, right? I should look up the Kana. Nostrad. I think everything says Nostrad, but I have a feeling if I looked up the Kana, it's probably like Nostrade, but no one says it. Okay. Um, so, Light Nostrad basically promises his daughter to retrieve all the stolen items at the auction, even though it's been canceled and she's butthurt about it. And he assigns Melody and Basho to take Neon back to the mansion immediately. Um, after Neon leaves to pack up her stuff, he tells the guards that the underground auction is still happening, um, same place, same time, um, that he tells that the Ten Dons vow to reclaim all the stolen stuff, 
um, that all but one shadow beast have been killed, and that the one still alive owl is likely to be like kidnapped by the spiders, um, and that the ten dons are gonna go extra hard and hire assassins to crush the troop because they need the experts, um, basically. I just a real quick. I looked it up. It is Nostrad, which. Mm-hmm. I mean, technically, the Kana has Nostrado, but, like, they don't pronounce it that way in the Japanese either. Okay. So, I have a feeling it's just because, um, as Megan discussed, it's equivalent of Nostradamus, the famous uh, seer slash, like, weird proto-alchemist guy. Mm-hmm. So, um, probably it's just like, hey, this is a multi-level interlingual pun that doesn't really come out properly. So, Nostrad's probably as close as we're going to get. All right. Cool. So... Light Nostrad, he orders Karapika to join the assassins in order to help build up the Nostrad reputation. Um, and then we cut back to the Krollo. Um, he does an outfit change. He like a sleek suit and tie kind of situation and he's like leaving the hotel room. He's a snazzy boy. Does he yeah. look like anyone who you've seen before? In like Hunter Hunter? No. Or and just... something else Togashi made. Yeah, he kind of looks like the uh, the guy that um, Kurobara's sister had a crush on. Oh, I, I wasn't going for that. I was going with um, Suit Koenma from, like, the Demon World Tournament. Oh, oh, that too. Yeah, with, like, the hair part and everything. Oh, wait, no, fuck. He looks like cha- End of Chapter Black Koenma. Mm. Yeah, he even puts that headband on to cover up his, his thing. Yep. So he goes from looking like Sansui to looking like Koenma. Nice. <laughs> Basically call- covering all the Bishonen looks from Yu Hakusho. <laughs> yep. Well, Kurama's unaccounted for, but yeah. <laughs> so um, we go back to Machi and Nobunaga. They're leaving, and so Gon and Kilawa decide to tail them. Um, they are going to have to use Zetsu this time in order not to get caught. And if they do get caught, they have to abort ASAP. And I think they have this whole thing where they're going to use their phones to kind of keep each other updated and everything. Um, yeah, so Washi and Nobunaga, they don't really sense them as they're, like, heading over. But they know they're being followed. Um, Kilawa realizes this. As um, the two spiders head to a deserted area, um, he's like freaking out whether or not thinking if this is a trap or if they're like hiding, if this is their hideout. Um, he doesn't know, so they're gonna push through and continue the mission. Um, yeah. Nobunaga says that it can't be the chain user following them since there's more than one person like, tailing them, and that the chain user is basically a lone wolf who didn't report his fight with Uvo to the mafia, and they're kind of, like, confused about why. Um, yeah, he's... He does make a correct assumption that the chain user is doing this for vengeance, which is true. Karapika is all about his revenge, I do like the analysis he uses to get to that point, because it's like, mm-hmm. there's no flaws in that analysis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Machi kind of thinks it's shit, but she 
does make the correct assumption about that there's a link between the chain user and Gonakilua. So they're both kind of right. I also like that, yeah. Like, both of them come to right conclusions through totally different methods and they're complementary conclusions, but both of them... I think the mistake they make is thinking their conclusions are uh, mutually exclusive. Exactly, yeah. Um, Yeah, so Gonakilua are in nearby buildings... Um, they're talking on their phones and watching the spiders closely, waiting to see if they should make a run for it. Um, then Nobunaga, he gets a call from Thinks, um, who gives him a friendly hint, and all of a sudden, he looks directly at the, I think, Kiloa's direction, but, um, but the, both of them, both the boys freak out, basically, and they try to escape, only to be blocked by Thinks and Pakunoda, respectively. Um, yeah. So, we see Kilua. He tries to escape by, like, bouncing off around the room in, like, at lightning speed, basically. But then Finks grabs his leg. Um, Kilua, he tries to throw rocks as a diversion as he tries to kick, like, kick Finks in the head. But he, Finks captures that leg as well. Um, and then Kilua, he ends up grabbing, he's like being held upside down, basically. So he grabs um, and pierces the ground with his fingers. And he basically spins his body until he like breaks away from Finks' grasp. Yeah, Kilua should uh, look into a side gig as a uh, break dancer. Yeah, I agree. I, I also like, there's a, a number of things I like here. One, like his legs are fucked up because of how hard Finks can... Whole, like how strong Finks's grip is, but even Finks was like, you know, I'm gonna let go because as strong as I am, I'm gonna get thrown if I fucking ho- keep holding. And then he just like lets out that whistle, just like, good job, kid. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> Unfortunately, the escape doesn't work because Nomunaga is right behind him. Um, yeah. And so the stalkers have now become the stalked. Basically, Finks and Pakanoda were following Gon and Kilua the entire time. Um, so, yeah, we're with Gon, uh, Machi and Pakanoda surround him, and Pakanoda asks him if he knows the chain user. Um, Gon has no idea. He's like trying to make time and find an escape as he's like talking to her, saying, like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Back with um, Kilua, Nobunaga asks him why they're following them and how they track them. Kilua makes the right choice by kind of pretty much going with the truth, um, talking about um, the mafia bounty on the spiders and using Zetsu to find them. He doesn't have a clue either about the um, chain user. And so Nobunaga's last question, die now? Or die later. Da-da-dun. Then we go back to Gon. He tries to escape, but Machi stops him. And Pakunoda gets a call and tells him that Kilua surrendered. Um, both Gon and Kilua are shown in the car with the spiders heading towards their hideout. Um, Pakunoda um, asks Gon again about the chain user. He says he doesn't know. So she then puts her arms around Kiloa and asks him about the chain user. And he looks pretty tense, rightfully so. Um, 
Yeah, and then it, it cuts to the hideout. Gon and Kilua um, are, like, walking down, and they see the rest of the Phantom Troop. Dun, dun, dun. And that's it. I was, sorry, I was Googling in the background. So you know how, like, the part where uh, fucking Finks and um, Pakunota show up, and they're just like, yeah, we didn't know you guys were even here. We thought you were somewhere else. And they're like, oh, yeah, to deceive your enemies, first deceive your allies. I was trying to find out if that's a Sun Tzu quote because it's phrased like one, but I can't find, I can't find it being a Sun Tzu quote. I find people who are unofficial sources attributing it to Sun Tzu, but every official Sun Tzu thing I can find that's cited does not have it. Mm. I think the only Sun Tzu quote I know is the one from the soldier from TF2. What does he say? It's like, it's like to win you must fight or something like that. I mean, that's, that's true, I guess. Or, yeah. Well, regardless, um, yeah, jump into Hunterpedia real quick. Uh, Hunterpedia Machi and her Nen Stitches. Uh, it shows she's a, tr- a transmuter, and she turns her aura into Nen Stitches, and Gon plays Killua like a marionette. <laughs> Which is weird accidental foreshadowing. Yikes. Yeah. Alright, so going on to the manga differences, uh, they're basically discussing that they think Uvo just passed out, I guess. I don't know what that was about. I assume that there was some passed away, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, that might that might just be a weird translation. Yeah, I don't know if they they said this in the manga, but with the cell phones, like the sign to stop is one ring, two rings are for are for a classical call. So I don't know if they I don't remember them saying that during the stalking at all, but maybe I missed that in the anime. It's blending so much together for me now that I don't even fucking know. Yeah. Anyways, uh, and another another thing I, I thought was interesting is they show these four really lifelike figures with, without eyes. Uh, standing against like a fence or something. I'm, I suppose that's referencing maybe the people that they're looking at while they're stalking the people. Yeah, this is during the stalking, and like they're actually shown from an aerial view later. They're like in that alley because I was trying to place. They have like an alley they go through that looks like very detailed in a way that 2011 is not. That it's interesting to see the continuity of space there. It looks very creepy. Yeah. Yeah. When I first saw it, I was like, "What the fuck." I think it was supposed to be, like, homeless people or, like, maybe, like, sketchy people in an alley. I wasn't sure. Yeah, because it's almost like two of them look like they're from, like, a horror comic and the other two look like they're those old, like, Victorian drawings. (laughs) Of kids. Of kids. So it is, the contrast is interesting between the two. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another difference is out the area where the troop uh, looks more like a crowded and like New York City, and the boys are, are at a nearer table versus from a balcony overlooking them. So it's a little bit different. And then here, Hachi and Nobu explicitly talk about bringing Kurapka into the troop with Machi, interpreting as Trollo's will, and Nobu emphasizing the dead part of the dead or alive. Yeah, basically the reason the reason I asked about like did that argument seem to like actually piss them off in a way that doesn't make sense to you guys was because of this. Like this is the real reason that they're at odds because like basically Machi has interpreted what Krolo says is like yeah, we want Kurapika to join. I mean, cuz technically he didn't do anything that broke the rules of the troop. He just killed one of their members, which is a way to get in. Yep, the troop is- officially says that if you want in after killing one of the members, you're allowed in. I mean, it sucks, but I mean, it's the the rules they have to play by it. But as you'd probably see later on, they don't exactly follow it note to note. Well, if if he doesn't want to join, then like they're like, oh, okay, now it's a vengeance thing. Fair. Well, which obviously they don't know that, but obviously he doesn't want to join. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't show up. Killer just brings up the S- Silva saying not to, not to, not to risk going after them. It shows them, it shows a full flashback in the, the, the anime, but the manga, just him side knowing, like, yeah, my family said not, my family gave me a warning about them. Or my dad gave me a warning about uh, going after the troop. So it was kind of weird because it's sort of a reversal where the manga is more detailed than that. But the anime is actually more detailed in that regards, which I kind of liked. Yeah, I wonder I wonder why they made that choice. I mean, I guess like maybe it just further illustrates it. I don't know. Yeah, I thought it was kind of a cool scene, though. I, re- I always like seeing, seeing the Zoldix. Oh, I, I meant to say like with how deep uh, Silva's voice is. And um, it reminded me of the part in Yu Hakusho where the, in the distant past that guy blinded Yomi. I was just thinking, like, life's more important than the reward. Pretty much. Um, in the manga, and when uh, when Killer hit Gon, he basically just said he hit him for no reason. And in the show, he just said it seemed appropriate when Gon told him about the uh, about about was it he stalked a uh, Hizoka. So that was kind of kind of funny. I'm surprised that never came up until now, though. Did you interpret that as like? Kilua just as like this arrogant little fucker just being like Gon can't be better than me even though I idolize him. I I took it as a Kilua realized how fucking stupid Gon was. Because later on it it shows so I'm it will later on is in the Chimera and it actually shows a lot of the motivations and the way that that uh, Kilua behaves. Mm, I can see I can see both because there have been previous instances where he's gotten angry for people suggesting that Gon might be more skilled than him. But, like, what you're saying is also valid, so I'm wondering which it was intended to be here. Yeah, that's that's the thing, though, is that it's, uh... Is that I don't think right now Killua feels that way. And it doesn't seem like it, because Killua's always doing his own thing. I think Killua's naturally... And that's why he hit him, because maybe his dad would... would His dad and, and Illumi would be like, that was really stupid to do. You know oh. you have no chance of beating him. Yeah, like a learned, yeah, like a learned abusive behavior. Yeah, it's interesting to think about, which is real fucked up. It's fucked up. I just thought it was kind of. You might be right. Yeah, but but yeah, that, that's just my 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 thing because I mean it showed later on the, the what he had to go through at least at least explicitly of what his training is, and yeah. he even told him about like him playing life or death stalking games since he was three in the anime. So, mm-hmm. um, another another change is a. Uh, is uh, in the manga they said Gon and Killua must have perfect Zetsu to be tailing them without being seen. And the show they just said they're quite skilled. So I thought that was kind of an kind of a cool, interesting change in that that manner where it's like, and one of them specifically Nen based, and the other one's like, oh, they're just skilled as hell. It kind of gives me the vibe that maybe they know they're Nen users in the in the manga, but in the show they just think they're like warriors in a way, or just some regular killers. Um. And the and they implemented the ring rule, like I said before, they implemented that in the built in the before they meet in the building in the manga and the show. They kind of oh telephone say ring. I thought you meant like some rule regarding like rings to be worn. And I'm like, I don't remember what the fuck you're talking about. No telephone ring. Sorry about that. Yeah, okay. Um, and then uh, Zeno's vertical sl- sash says uh, show show guy gen, gen inki, which means lifelong activity, meaning never retire. And Chinese means active career, different from the previous one. Didn't it yeah, say like from the kiss, previous kiss, Didn't say like kill, kiss the kiss the killer in the previous. No, one? god damn it! No, <laughs> it said it said uh, one day one kill, and it was in reference to an old Japanese parable about like uh, like basically live in the moment. 
I, I think it's, I think, uh, I think the grandpa's one of those boomer types that wears like the, it's like the equivalent of the t-shirts that like say live, love, laugh, or I'm like, I'm a badass, but my wife's an even bigger one or something like that. Or... Kill, gloat, die. Exactly. Exactly. So I think it's one of those things, at least in my opinion. Like he just says, what, 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 uh, a vaguely threatening sash should I wear today to show I'm, I'm a, I'm a badass. Okay. So we, we've spoken about Mass Effect recently. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys seen that video, Reapers? No. Mm-mm. I'm going to send you that, but there's a whole section of it. It's just like this little weird music video of Mass Effect, and there's a whole part where Shepard's like, you've got to kiss the cook. And <laughs> just I'll just go from there. Anyways. Best ship on the Citadel. Anyways, uh, yeah, so uh, Leo described Kilwa's Zetsu as if it faded into transparency in front of him. Yeah, basically, like, Kilua did Zetsu in front of Leorio, and he's like, I can't even, I can barely see you. Because, like, we've talked about this when we talked about the mechanics of Nen, but if you're doing Zetsu, apparently even people who can't sense Nen suddenly lose ability to sense you visually and through your other senses as well either. So, like, there's some other mechanic here that, like, we don't get exactly explained. Fair enough. Maybe it might just be a a sort of a transparent, like, a a hidden ninja thing. Like, maybe some that people interpret as, like, ninja ninja skills and it's like nen that's causing them to be less transparent or at least a less people being less aware of you in your existence i'm wondering if the implication is that even people who don't have nen sense the senses to some degree rely on like an underlying very small level of nen sense and like it's kind of like the metachlorians except less stupid yeah, I, I'd say, yeah, it's like midichlorians, but less dumb. It's like original force minus the midichlorians. Yeah, be, because in Star Wars, for you that don't know, you can be force-sensitive to things and not be a Jedi, and vice versa. Actually, not vice versa. If I was going to say, not vice versa, that's not a thing. Yeah, no, but no, you, you you can totally not have Jedi powers and stuff, but still be force-sensitive, like, uh, um, uh, was it the, the, the one guy, the one stormtrooper that defected, I can't remember what his name was. Oh, Finn. Finn, yeah. Finn was force sensitive, and a couple other people were force sensitive, but they didn't have force abilities. I was gonna say, I think the implication here is that like even normal humans use like some level of aura sense, and that like while you technically still see things using physical processes like light going to your eyes, there's some level of it that's background. Yeah, that's fair, and it makes me wonder if maybe like six senses are kind of that way in real life. So, like, a, a mystic sort of thing, I guess. I think that was, like, a belief back in the day when people were doing more, like, quote-unquote legitimate research into ESP was that, like, a lot of the senses were built on top of, like, an underlying general ESP. But, like, this is a topic for a research thing that we should do instead. Yeah. I don't know. At, least in, at least in my opinion, I don't exactly believe in the ESP stuff, but I believe uh, that there's... Neither do I. And I think most of those studies came out being, like, this is bullshit, but, like, that was the theory that they were trying to examine. Yeah, but I do believe there's some there's something something energy based in a way, but it's not exactly as we probably imagine. It's probably something completely normal that yeah, it's I probably super lame comparatively. Yeah, but just coincidence stuff. But anyways, uh, yeah, and then Machi and Omanaga passed some old architectures like Southeast Asian Bo- Buddhist stu- stupas. Yeah, that's you're basically saying it right. Yeah. Gotcha. I have no idea what stupas are. If you saw one, you would recognize what it is, but just not have known the name. I gotcha. It's like some statue things? No, it's like a little... Imagine like a mini pagoda on like... But like circular rather than like a tower. Fair enough. All right. Did you want to go into the 1999 notes, Mr. Joe? 
Yep, here, uh, they have, the episode starts with Neon calling out for her mom in her sleep. Nothing comes from this, it's just, it's just there. Because it was the late 90s, I guess, and there was time for parent issues. Um, and then there's a flashback by Melody to Kurapika's return from his Uvo fight, where he just, like, basically walks in, doesn't say hi to anyone, and just goes into his room, closes the door, and passes out. And then Melody wants to knock, but stops short when she hears Kurapika, like, saying prayers devoting himself to the protection of the Kurta, which is a thing that happened earlier in 99 that's, like, filler bullshit. Like, I've been saying I really like 99's version of the Phantom Troop arc more than 2011, but it does have these moments of, like, why did you fucking add this? It could be worse. They could you, She could have been hearing vague emo music through the door. I was really worried what you were going to say. Anyways. <laughs> what, um, you, what do you think I was going to say? I just heard jacking it. Uh, I don't know. Yes. Kill was just jacking it out of frustration. Kurapika. <laughs> Sorry, Kurapika's jacking out, jacking out of frustration. I didn't sorry. feel anything from killing this guy. Gotta jack it. <laughs> Let me hope if I can feel. Well, oh, never mind. That's getting gross. Um. So the spying section, including the initial plaza part, looks much more like the manga than the 2011 version does. Uh, one difference from the manga, though, the three sit at a side restaurant away from the plaza, basically just the same way that it happens in 2011, and therefore this is another one of the many instances where 2011 ends up basing something off of 99 rather than the manga directly. Uh, so, I I was watching this, and I was noticing how much more 1999 looks like the manga in this section, while 2011 goes out of its way to keep things fantastical in the manner of, like, the Hunter exam and, like, later Greed Island. And I'm now beginning to think that 99 looks the way it does because it based its art style off of Heaven's Arena and York New, while 2011 based its art style off of the Hunter exam and Greed Island. Which would also explain why those parts look more appropriate in their respective styles. So, in this version, they keep uh, the dead or alive disagreement between Machi and uh, Nobu, but this time the contention isn't about him joining. It's about um, Krolo wanting to keep Kurapika alive to steal his power. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so I think... While this isn't correct either, I do think it's still a more believable reason for them getting pissed off at each other than the 2011 versions. Right. So, you know when they introduced the Zoldix when they're like, oh, specialists in murder? Mm-hmm. This version went extra, extra, extra on this, where it just showed, like, close-up things of, uh, of Silva and then Zeno's faces, zoomed out, had a plane, like, fly over them, like, the style of Enter the Dragon and Kill Bill, and then shows the two of them in, like, a fucking painted shot. And I'm like, man, y'all are building them up as the biggest badasses to ever live. <laughs> it's cool as hell. I put it on the Instagram. So here, Kilo's legs bleed rather than getting rug burn from the spinning part of, uh, like, Finks. Ow. Oh, actually, I forgot to mention that in, in the manga changes that when he did the spin in the manga, it kind of looked like blood droplets that were coming off his fingers. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, because when you actually see uh, Kilua's legs, they just look rug-burned, but yeah, I guess it would make sense that it would be blood on Finks's hands, while in this version, you see the blood on both parts. Yeah, well, I mean, it was on his hands. It looks like blood droplets coming off of, coming off of the legs, like when he's spinning. Oh, interesting. I remembered it maybe incorrectly then. Yeah, and then like his legs kind of look more like disfigured versus rug-burn. Yeah, maybe we're just interpreting the image slightly differently. You could be right. I don't know. Yeah. I usually am, so... Damn. No, I'm just joking. 
Yeah. So what did you guys think of this set of episodes? I have like a couple of like themes listed here, but I'd rather hear your guys' general thoughts first. Um, I think that this episode, it's kind of, I feel like the, it definitely ch- has changed the shift kind of like for Golden Kilua and like, cause you know, in the last episode we were talking about, oh, it's such a nice break from like all the intense intensity with Karapika and now it's like, the opposite everything is super high stakes um yeah like a part of me is like super freaked out for their lives because i don't know i know for a fact they are not ready for the phantom troop unlike kropika because they don't got that vengeance on them so um and then i find it really fascinating like the whole like the with all the assumptions running around like who knows this who knows that do you know this do you know that and it's almost not ironic but it's kind of ironic that they literally do know who the chain user is but at the same time they don't and so oh i cannot wait till you get oh wait no you've already seen it but okay i can't wait till we get to discussing that exact dilemma yeah, it's just, like, as the audience, you're like, oh my god, but... <laughs> yeah, Hunter Hunter uses dramatic irony, like, dramatic irony as in, like, the idea of, like, knowing more than the characters to mm-hmm. such a good effect. Like, I've very rarely seen things use it better than this. Yeah, so it's kind of, I think this is the part where it gets super intense. Um, So, I've already seen everything, but I love... Like, this episode onwards, oh my gosh, I totally got sucked in, so I'm so excited with, like, discussing the rest of the episodes, basically. Sarah, as someone who um, hasn't uh, seen that part, like, how do you feel about, like, what this is building to, or, like, what what it's done with the tone and such? I feel like it's, like, what Hannah mentioned, it finally bridging, like, the two uh story plot lines together in a way that's just right now it is it's so it's very satisfying even though it kind of happened in a way that seems so small um it's really i'm really excited to see how the two worlds are blend together because it's almost like suddenly gone and kilo's um like journey to get money and find Reed Island is went from easy mode to hard mode <laughs> really quick. <laughs> Cause before yeah, they went to just... MLG. Yeah. So it's like, Oh wow. Like they're just having fun learning about like counterfeits and auctions. And suddenly they're surrounded by actual assassins and killers that don't have any familiar attachment to one of them. So it's, it could go s- south really fast. <laughs> What do you think about the fact that, like, Hisoka's there? Like, that seems like it would just be a fucking terrible situation. Yeah. Um. I mean, I watched, like, a couple episodes ahead, so... Oh, okay. I already kind of know, like, what's going to happen, but I don't know. The fact that Hisoka's there, like, I kind of feel, from what I... If, if, he, if From what I feel, I feel like Hisoka could do really anything. Um... Sometimes it's like, is he going to play the long uh, game and just kind of, like, keep to himself and just watch an amusement and, like, what will happen? Or is he just going to try to start shit and do something that no one would expect and would get everyone into, like, 
trouble. I got a funny story. So I didn't mention it, but both 99 and the manga do not cut off at the same place of like them just being like, here's the Phantom Troop. It's like, well, here's the Phantom Troop. Uh, let's hang out awkwardly for a couple minutes. <laughs> and so the next line is pretty much just Hisoka thinking to himself, like, don't be stupid, Gon. <laughs> it's like played as like a weird comedy beat. <laughs> uh and yeah, so I, I really like where this entire arc is going. It's really interesting. It feels like a lot has happened. Um, and I don't know, like, the time frame of everything. It feels like everything's, ha everything's happened within, like, maybe at most a week. Are you talking about the, uh, this arc? Yeah, from, like, the start where, Crawford joins, like, the No-Shot family for the job to the point where it is now. Like, either, I, I don't know. It seems like it- I think it... you're right. Mm -hmm. uh, or it's around a week, because, right. like, the, I think I mentioned it, but these parts of the manga for, like, the next year are titled, like, September something, something, like, you know, September such and such date. I think the auction and that stuff all happened within near a week of each other, so it's only been, like, basically a week since the section started. Yeah, so it's like everything's happening so much, so fast, and I love it. Patrick, how about you, man? Hmm. <laughs> okay, wait, what is racist about this? <laughs> Nothing. Oh no, there actually is racism in this, of this episode. Actually, is. I can't wait till we talk about the flashback of the early Phantom Troop and just like, wait, what ethnicity is Uvo? I'm so confused. Yeah, why did Uvo? Why did Uvo have to die first? Seems a bit racist. Oh my god! I oh mean, my yes. god! <laughs> Spoilers for anyone who doesn't know: when they show a flashback of Uvo, he clearly is darker and has an afro, and you're just like, wait, what? What? And like, uh, yeah. Hmm, let me uh, yeah, play it. <laughs> Yeah, okay. <laughs> if we get sued by Mega64, I'll lose my shit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Uvo is hinted at being probably, like, multi-ethnic, like, black and white. We'd probably get sued by the screensavers before we do that. That's true. But yeah, no, I I thought it was a really good episode. I I liked that we had that tiny little break between that poor, like, okay, let's get back to the hardcore shit. And, like, I just like the whole stalking the stalkers thing and the whole battle. Personally, I think Gon should have just punched Pakunoda in her giant ass nose face, but I don't know. I don't know. think that would have worked well for him. I'm gonna put it out there. I don't know. Like, I don't know the power of Pakunoda at this point. Like, for from what I've seen, even watching the arc, she seems more like a support member. Like, I mean, I guess she's kind of fast. I guess. Well, I mean, she is fast. She just got there in lightning quick, right? Yeah, I'm trying to think. I think the most support members are like Cortopi, Pakunoda, and um. Yeah, but I think even they can still hold their own against, and Mummy like, Man? What's up? And Mummy Man? Or or was it Dengar? Oh, yeah, Dengar. Dengar-looking motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. No, so he's he looks like a support-type character, and then, like, later you see him fighting, and you're like, okay, he's a bit of both. Because um, he has some, like, ludicrous moves that you don't find out about till like, 100 episodes from now. <laughs> Lol. But, yeah, it's a... Uh... It's an, it's interesting, but like from my interpretation, I think Pakanota might just be on Gon's level, but her support powers are just so OP. 
But like I've never seen her fight like in an actual fight yet, so I don't I, know I if think, that's the case. I think Gon would have to wait till the end of Greed Island to be able to fight Pakanoda, and she's like one of the weaker members. Wow. Yeah, again, they're like the most wanted criminals on earth. I guess, but I mean, yeah, possibly. Like he might be able to beat the shit out of Cortope right now. I don't know. I don't know. Just give a Cortope a little beaten. Yeah, little being the key word. Yeah, cut cut that hair. But yeah, it's a it's it was really good. I really enjoyed the episode. Uh, I'm excited to see where it goes from here. And now that they were captured and what shit they're gonna be in. I mean, obviously I know, but I mean, like as a key fab wise, I'm excited to see what they're gonna get into. Um, what do you guys think of the various members of the troop and sort of like their introductions to this point? Because like, I forgot how much I like the stuff Finks does. Because like, when you first see him, you think he's gonna be this like weird slimeball type character, but he's more like a. He is very tough, but he's more wholesome than you would guess. He kind of reminds me of a nicer Pawn Stars team. Yeah. Very much Russian mob. Yeah. He's got, like, that I'm a man with honor vibes, but I also kill. Maybe not with honor, but he's, like, he's very manly and chill, but also very aggressive. Oh, we're talking, we're talking core to be the, the, the samurai guy, right? Oh, no, 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 I no, no. I'm talking about Finks. Finks. Okay. Who's Finks? He's the Russian-looking dude who dresses like an Egyptian. Oh, oh, the, the, yeah. the, oh, okay. Wait, wait, play the, is this racist theme? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> no, it's good. We don't have any, we don't have any time to waste on stuff like that, Joe. I mean, it's just like, not going to be, it's just not, not appropriate to do at this point. I mean, we just can't just be played every time we racist and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so something, uh, there's a couple things I wrote down that I think are interesting talking points. So you guys know the part where, like, so again, I love Zepile. I wish he was as featured in both anime as he is in the manga. But um, I was rereading and rewatching this and realizing, like, how much do you think the Ostomy thing is supposed to be a hint for the future or something that's going to happen later? Because it no comes relevance. back in ways... What's up? No relevance. <laughs> well, okay. It comes back in a very obvious way later that they talk about. So, like, that one, just leave that off the table because we clearly know anyone who's further in will know how that comes back. And it's not how you would expect. Um, But... He says a couple things in that conversation that are interesting to me. He says, like, he has a hard time understanding Gon. He also talks about Ostomy being something that fools people who are skilled appraisers, and he describes himself as a skilled appraiser of people. I don't think Gon is trying to trick anyone, but I do think that maybe there's something here about some of the things that end up happening with Gon and his, like, moral development, and the idea of being emptied and refilled with something. I do think there's a, there, there's more than meets the eye to Gon, which I think might might be what he's picking up on. Like maybe Gon, Gon might be straightforward, but I mean he's deeper than he looks, as it's evident in a bunch of battles he has later on in the series. Well, you know, it seems like he might be reaching his limit. He still has a lot more to go, or there's more to meets the eye than people think. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Which is like you know cuz he i i he's one of my favorite characters and he continues to be as the season goes on but you know the like his character is like character development is really interesting and also it kind of hurts uh, that's all i'm going to say at times for, as like yeah. a big fan of his so 
Yeah, he's um so it is really interesting like um cuz he right now he Gon's traits are similar to most shonen protagonists like uh enthusiastic, passionate, well like guy who has like kid who like does stuff for the who does good, quote unquote. I guess, like, is the right way to put it. Even though there's been times where he says, like, oh, I don't know. I don't care what, if you did bad, you know. You did what's, like, you you reached your goal kind of thing. I don't know. It's it's weird. He's not amoral at first. But I don't know. We'll see how his character development goes. goes and if he goes into more amorality or whatever. So... I- I feel he's somewhere between amoral and, like, with a very flexible sliding scale of morality. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the reason I brought up the Asami thing specifically was the idea of, like, dealing with an emptiness and being filled with something else later. And I'll, I'm very curious to see how that develops. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, because from, at least compared to the other three main characters, Gon has the least... At least in this one, because it doesn't show what happened with Kite. Um, if you're just watching the 2011 anime, Gon doesn't really have that like defining moment in his life that would sort sort of shape his outlook. Versus like Kilawa, his like um, his family and like the abuse that he went through and like being an assassin, he made him very, a very cynical kid. And then Kurapaga with his entire clan being massacred. And then Liorio with his friend who died and he couldn't save him. Like, it all kind of shaped who they were. So you kind of mm. have, like, a, a a clue because of their past of, like, what they are and how they'll probably, like, decide what's right and wrong. And with Gon, it's like, you know, he's just a kid from, a va- from like, a, a small town. And he has a missing dad, which is his only really like quote-unquote tragic thing that ha- he has to like shape his moral compass but even that it's not he it's not like really any i don't know he's like a blank slate which makes him interesting it, 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 i don't know yeah no i i definitely agree i i like how he's this like weird reflection on shonen characters because he's the blank slate that a lot of other shonens necessitate their main character being so that char- people can self-insert into them, mm-hmm. while for him it's actually supposed to be, like, a statement about, like, the vapidness or... Not vapidness, but, like, the naivety of, like, mm-hmm. what he's doing. Right. And I feel like... It also... It's... Before, I was like, oh, why did they... Why did he choose to have such a young protagonist uh, for this series? Like, even... Because, like, 12 is so young. But now it, it kind of makes sense to have like your protagonist be so young it kind of allows the opportunity and for like for them to like kind of take in everything and see is like okay so this is how this person thinks maybe i could adopt my own like without having it having any like much bias go into it you know what i mean it's just like almost he's purposely like taking in everything and seeing like let's see what works and what doesn't and 
I feel like in a lot of ways, that's almost a lot of people fear that mentality because it's like you're so used to people being more set in their ways and having a very definitive um, belief system. It makes them like a little bit more predictable that if you have someone who's just so uh, pick and choose and flexible, it, I don't know, it, it, it seems like almost it's unnerving. It's like Hisoka is so unpredictable about what he decides to do. And like, Gon's very unpredictable in the same way. That's true. I, I feel that some of that is just natural to being a kid, but because Gon's acting with a level of self-determination and power that, like, children don't have, it's scary. But yeah, um, that's kind of like what I had. Uh, I already talked about the Southern Peace slash Sotherbees slash Southern Bees Slash Grizzlebees. Slash Grizzlebees, slash Applebees, slash Apple Pie connection. So, yeah, I think we're good. I'm really hyped for what's coming up. I think we all are. Funny story. I don't know if I've talked about this on mic before, but 1999 is actually approaching the end of its TV run and will be changed to just OVAs soon. So, we'll probably have some stuff doing background research on 99 and in some of the coming episodes uh, if you guys are interested in that so be prepared for details about the 1999 japanese anime industry it's sad we're slowly we're slowly losing more and more segments in the show wait what oh 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 because we're well, losing 99 we'll be switching lose... to the ova so i'll basically be doing the same thing but it will be OVA. it will be as uh the ova version instead well i mean as we come lo- closer and closer to the end of 2011 we're gonna oh, go yeah. manga only yeah, eventually, yeah, we'll just be talking about manga, which will be weird. Eh, we'll get over it. Although we have a couple of years, so there's a chance maybe they'll make an OVA of, like, the current arc of the manga. Maybe. they. I've, I've heard rumors, but there's nothing solidified. It's just a bunch of Facebook posts. Yeah, if you ever see anyone say that, like, it's cited, follow their citation chain. I've never found one that gets to anything except one interview where Togashi says he would like to resume writing the manga and manga only, maybe a single chapter within the next year. But everyone takes it as, like, that means there's a new TV show. And it's just like, wow, y'all are playing the worst game of telephone. Listen, Hunter Hunter fans are desperate at this point. We haven't had a chapter in a year. I'm just imagining what what would be the worst spinoff subseries that they'd be willing to accept as, like, oh, my God, we're so hungry for content. Uh, Lin Sen's backstory. M- Maluki, Maluki's crazy anime adventures in the <laughs> auction houses for her, his hentai figures. Just a lot about Miluki posting on 2chan. 2chan been like, hey guys, what do you think of this game? It's complete garbage and him just trolling people. <laughs> I Okay, to be fair, I would read that. This is terrible. I'm, I'm trying to think of like what else would be, what other... <laughs> I'm just trying to think of like... Zepal's uh, OnlyFans for his feet. Okay, yeah, I draw the line there. This is maybe now I wouldn't, I would no longer read this. Would you, would you though? I'm sure. Anyways, who wants to take us out with a bullet after that discussion? <laughs> for my Valentine? I'll, I'll do it. Um, all right. Thank you so much for listening to the Spirit Hunters. Please hit us up with questions, requests, or just to chat at our Facebook or Twitter at Spirit Hunter Pod. Heads up. We finally did it and we have a Patreon. Check us out at patreon.com slash spirit hunter pod. 
um, throw some cash at us for hosting fees and equipment, and join our patron-only Discord, where we'll be discussing the shit out of Hunter x Hunter, Yu Hakusho, and much more. Before we continue, I just want to say, I just want to thank everybody, because we actually reached our goal to break even on the show, finally, thanks to our great Patreons. Woo! So, thank you very much. Uh, Joe, do we want to bring up, the, get their names and give them a shout-out before we go? Uh, yeah, there's one new person, because we've previously shouted out the other two, but we could just talk about all three of them, because they are all helping with that. We still have some back back debt to pay to Patrick, but for right now, we're breaking even on a month-to-month basis, which I'm really happy about. Thank you very much, guys. Like, your contributions really mean a lot to us, and we'll definitely try to uphold what we've been doing to this point, and also we owe these people some uh, Patreon rewards, such as uh, choosing some research topics for the show, so I'm very curious to see what some of our astute listeners who... On speaking with them, we were quite aware that they know a good deal about the show. I'd, I'd like to see what they'd like us to delve into. For sure, and we definitely have some like live stream stuff we'd like to do as well with them, so I'm hoping we'll be able to get them in, have a nice cool little live stream that we'll maybe put up on Facebook later or something. Okay, so um, one of them uh, is Kenny H., I think is how he wanted us to talk about him. Uh, we've previously mentioned him. I uh, just want to give you a shout-out. Thanks again. Uh, another is, ooh, I might have to censor this because I forget which of these two names she wanted us to use or they wanted us to use. Um, Patrick, do you remember if it's the M one or the D one? Uh, are you talking about the, the one that, that does the chapter black thing with us? Yes. Um, I'm not sure. I don't remember. Uh, we'll just call her, uh, Mrs. Mrs. D and we, and, and we'll- Ms. D. Miss D, we'll call her Miss D for now, and we'll ask her and clarify that, but she knows who she is, and thank you very much for, for all the support over the years. She's been a fan of the show for quite a long time, from what I understand. Um, and our new patron, um, I will definitely not read their uh, full name out, uh, but I'll just go with their first name, uh, Lucas. Uh, thank you very much. We've spoken a little bit with you, and you're the one who helped push us over the edge. We really appreciate the contribution, and we're uh, looking forward to, like, talking with you on like streams and the like um thanks much guys yeah no i just want to i just want to say that uh yeah and if you guys really if you guys want to hop on the discord talk to us uh get into these live streams and just hang out with us and ask us any questions you'd like feel free to back us on patreon i mean you can i mean even a dollar would would get you into the discord so it's not like you have to give us hundreds of dollars to be able to get into an exclusive club i mean we actually also have alternative methods of joining that are that are free that we can discuss right now yeah, if you give us any rating on iTunes and prove it to you, you can get to the Discord. Yeah, I mean, you could technically give us a one. Please don't, and that'd be really awkward for you to be in our patron Discord if you gave us a one star. But, like, we don't want to influence the rating, so, like, any rating is fine. But, like, man, really, don't be weird. Yeah, I mean, we appreciate all feedback. I mean, if as long as it's creative criticism feedback that we can give to our show, we'd appreciate it. If it's something like, your voice is annoying, Patrick, or Joe has a big head, I mean, it wouldn't be very useful, and I don't think we can fix it. I mean, the second one is true. Yeah. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, so, like, shout out to um, our intro music. It is by Studio Mega Ane. Uh, check them out on YouTube, Twitter, and most importantly, iTunes. And that's it. Thank you so much, guys. Later. Bye. Os. And see ya on the other side. See you later, my dude. 
そして道の上ただの言葉だけが一つ溶け出して君に染みてゆくこの太陽は Coco.